0: This is Mesa Verde Voices, a show from KSJD Community Radio and Mesa Verde National Park. We're taking the ancient past of the Southwest and connecting it with all kinds of things in today's world. Art, science, people, culture, and in this season, we're talking about possibly the most connective source in the world today, the internet. And I'm your host, Kayla Woodward, national park traveler, huge fan of indigenous history, and also huge fan of the internet. I worked as a seasonal ranger at Mesa Verde National Park on the social media team in 2016 and 2017, and it really got me interested in how the internet fits into the world of national parks and public lands, and also how it's being used as a tool by Indigenous and First Nations peoples across North America to tell their own stories. And today we're starting out in Chapin Mesa Archaeological Museum, deep in Mesa Verde National Park. If you visit the Chapin Mesa Archaeological Museum, the first exhibit you'll see is usually the busiest. (laughs) In the first room, or corridor, there are four exhibits set back into the wall with a big glass front separating them from hundreds of curious park visitors.
1: In essence, they're sort of compartmentalized little windows into different time periods that show the different technology and architecture of the, you know, from... Um, hunter and gather peoples all the way till the 13th century of Mesa Verde.
0: This is Venancio.
1: My name is Venancio Aragon, and I've been a ranger, an interpretive ranger at Mesa Verde National Park for eight years.
0: Aside from being a park ranger, Venancio is also a Navajo weaver, and his educational background is in cultural anthropology and Native American studies. And he grew up not far from Mesa Verde, in northern New Mexico. So if you've been to the museum yourself, you've likely seen these dioramas, and they have a lot of history.
1: So the dioramas were a product of um, the CCC era and the public works projects um, when they were doing a lot of work to create the infrastructure of the Chapin Museum. But what they show, in essence, is sort of a linear developmental style of thinking of how the Pueblo, uh, ancestral Pueblo people took up agriculture and fundamentally changed their lives.
0: These dioramas were crafted in the 1930s and are a product of two big programs developed as part of the New Deal to provide jobs to young men and women across the country. These programs also built most of the infrastructure still seen in the national parks today. And they're kind of like snapshots into what life likely looked like on the Mesa, ever since the people were hunters and gatherers.
1: The dioramas are historic and they're loved by many. And they're, you know, they're, just, they're just so interesting to look at all the, the attention to detail that was put into their execution um, and you know, the little quirky humor that, that's, that's seated in the, it's humanizing and it's lively and people love that. You know, it gives, it gives visitors, I think, this rendering of, of how to connect to the, to the ancestral Pueblo past in Mesa Verde. It's really cool.
0: However, on any given busy summer day, you may be able to stand in the museum and hear the same comment uttered by visitors of all ages. They're all naked! Across all four scenes depicted, you'll see many bare-chested women and naked children, with the men usually wearing loincloths. And over the course of the last almost 80 years, this has become a bit of an issue. The reason being, through oral histories from descendants of Mesa Verde, and from archaeological research that's been conducted since the 1930s, there's evidence that these people did wear clothes, and more than just loincloths. And while this may not seem like a big deal, it tends to perpetuate a stereotype about indigenous people. In the early 20th century, there was a predominant narrative that showed indigenous people as primitive humans, maybe not very sophisticated or civilized, since their traditions and cultures didn't align with modern American or European ideas of what sophistication and civilization looked like. So here's what we know now about what these people may have worn.
1: The physical, most basic evidence of textiles and clothing comes in the form of a prolific amount of um, cotton textiles, other uh, animal materials, dog fur, yucca cordages that were wrapped with turkey feathers, rabbit fur robes. And so we find, like, whole articles and fragments of articles, including socks, belt, um, blanket fragments, and so on. And even, in some cases, shirts and kilts and so on.
0: And you can actually find some of these textiles and clothing items mentioned by visiting the Visitor Center at Mesa Verde and the Chapin Museum today. So while the park has since found evidence of this range of clothing, there may be another reason that the figures in the dioramas are not clothed.
1: You know, we don't know if they had blankets on all the time, or if everybody had shirts, or if wooden cloths were just like the standard, you know, um, summer wear. We don't really know that, but the very presence of these textiles in the archaeological record indicates to us that perhaps we might have um, sold the ancestral Pueblo people a little short by not closing them fully.
0: We've learned a lot in the last 80 years. And while these dioramas show an impressive amount of detail and personality, there's likely reasons why this detail about clothing has been left out. Like Fanancio said, they're kind of like snapshots of ancient Pueblo life through the lens of the 1930s young American men who created them. So what does the park do with this information now? The dioramas have been illustrating life on the mesa for decades, and at this point in time, they are historic themselves. Do we take them down? Do we cover them up? Do we set to work making tiny, full wardrobes for each scene? So, hi, this is Christy Shaley,
2: Chief of Interpretation and Visitor Services at Mesa Verde National Park. In the fall of 2017, Christy Scholle was contacted about a project that could help with this problem. So, the Augmented Reality Project is a collaboration between Ball State University's Institute for Digital Media Arts and the park. And we're excited to use the dioramas at the museum to enhance the visitor's experience through this technology. So, we think augmented reality can help provide visitors with different perspectives, a more accurate interpretation of ancestral public culture, and greater access to our sites.
0: Augmented reality. Many of you may not know what that means. Or maybe you've heard of it, and you've also heard of virtual reality, but you don't know the difference. Well, I was kind of confused, too. So to get some clarity, I took a trip to Muncie, Indiana, to Ball State University's Institute for Digital Intermedia Arts, also known as the IDEA Lab.
3: Uh, well, welcome to the lab. I'll, I'll do it like I'm really doing a tour. About a dozen years ago, like I said, we got into virtual reality and simulation, in particular.
0: And I met up with the director of the Idea Lab, John Philwalk.
3: Over the years, as the technologies have evolved, we've embraced, um, yeah, you know, augmented reality and the phone and m- mobile applications and things like that. Um, all these things we do in the service of either teaching and learning or museum interpretation, cultural heritage interpretation. We work a lot with archaeologists, historians, but everything really is kind of centered around 3D in some way or another.
0: When John and his colleagues approached Mesa Verde about this project, they showed examples of similar projects they'd completed, one about Stonehenge, one about the ancient sites in Rome, and another Native American site, the Adena-Hopewell Mountains, located near present-day Anderson, Indiana. These examples were all web-based interactive projects and you can actually check them out by visiting our website. But the proposed project at Mesa Verde is a little different.
3: With Mesa Verde it's different because we're showing the physical model with the virtual model imposed.
0: Here's how it'll work. The idea for this project is that visitors would download an app to their mobile device, phone or tablet, then open the app, and then they'd be able to stand in front of the dioramas and see them kind of come to life. The way John described it, it's kind of like the game Pokemon Go where you're seeing your surroundings through the device's camera, and digital elements are integrated into that real environment.
3: It's taking a, a digital or virtual reality and superimposing it through your, your phone or your tablet over physical reality. So, um, so then it's sort of like we talk about this kind of technique as a magic mirror, where you could hold up your phone, instead of taking a picture of just what you see, you see what you see, plus the addition of something else that really isn't there.
0: This app will use the device's camera to show the diorama on the screen, what it looks like now, and then it will digitally add elements such as moving people doing chores, smoke coming from the fires, or turkeys strutting around.
3: You'll point your device up at the diorama, and it'll come to life in different ways. Maybe somebody's going up and down a ladder, or cooking, or basketry, you know, pottery, whatever act- daily activities.
0: And these digital characters would be able to demonstrate those clothing items that don't currently appear.
3: So I can take you over here, and um, Adam's doing a number of things and multitasking, but he does have uh, some workup that we just started on the Mesa Verde project, which I thought would be fun for you to see.
0: John and his students were gracious enough to show me what they're currently working on for the project.
3: And so right now we're building uh, the people that will get embedded back into the digital environment. So do you want to do another spin of him?
0: During my tour of the Idea Lab, the absolute coolest thing I observed is that the same level of attention to detail and craftsmanship that went into those original clay figures at Mesa Verde is going into the digital replicas today.
3: So what we're doing too is we're trying to make him feel like the clay people that are already there. So we're we're modeling his aesthetic after the aesthetic that is installed in the museum. So they'll look hopefully like the clay people themselves have come to life. So not a photorealistic person in the sense, but although he does look really good, I think um, we're looking at so he meshes in the environment.
0: That's awesome. So just like how did you guys do that? It looks so good.
3: So this program um, is basically like working in clay. So it's called Mudbox, and Adam could probably show us a bit of how it works. But you can essentially push and pull the pixels around as if it were wet clay.
0: For Mesa Verde National Park, this project is about more than just adding clothing items to the dioramas. There are several goals that we're hoping to
2: achieve through using augmented reality. We already know that the dioramas are an important part of the history of the park, and they really are works of art in
0: themselves. The park has three main goals with this project. First is to conserve the dioramas in their original state in the museum. Second is to provide a more accurate story of the ancestral Pueblo people. While we can appreciate the dioramas for their accurate representations
2: of structures and objects, the people portrayed within the dioramas are really seen through the lens of the perspective of people in the 1930s of the American Indian people.
0: Christie's hope is that this technology will help visitors continue to appreciate the historic exhibit, while at the same time connect them to the lives of the ancestral Pueblo people by integrating traditional knowledge of the present-day Pueblo people and the park's ever-evolving understanding through archaeological evidence. And the third goal is to provide a new form of access for those who can't physically visit the cliff dwellings in the park.
2: Through technology, we can provide access to the public for those that aren't able to visit. We have a lot of people visiting the park who aren't physically able to climb ladders. There are school students in other areas of the country who can't travel, and there's also people who can't afford to travel to visit Mesa Verde
0: National Park. That first goal that Christy mentions is a really important one, to conserve the dioramas in their original state, because they are works of art, and they're part of the history of the park too. So I'm
2: really excited about this park because I think that the benefit of enhancing the current exhibits is that we can interpret the interpretation of ancestral Pueblo people over time. And we can honor the artistic works of the PWA, the Public Works Administration, and exhibits that people love with a more accurate understanding of the textiles, what people might have worn. Um, Technology also allows us to bring the dioramas to life in ways that we weren't even thinking about 100 years ago. So with this technology, we have the opportunity to add seasons We can introduce the sounds of people working, children, turkeys and dogs, all of the activities that would have been happening within the site. And we can, as I mentioned before, add clothing and textiles that are known to have been created and used during Ancestral Pueblo times.
0: If the original intent of the dioramas is to provide snapshots of life on the mesa, using augmented reality honors that original intent, bringing those snapshots to life while also bringing them up to date with our current understandings of the ancestral Pueblo people. And not only can these new elements be added, but the reasoning for doing so can also be explained and not forgotten. This experience can address the CCC and the Public Works Administration, explaining the work that they did almost a century ago, and educate visitors on why the augmented reality project was deemed necessary in the first place. This project is a huge undertaking, and there's currently not a set deadline for launch.
2: We are sort of years out. Um, We've got to work with our associated tribes to ensure that we're telling the most accurate and compelling stories about their rich culture. And so right now, um, we, we have some funding available to us, and we're just starting to go into some of the planning process for new exhibits. We'll
0: continue to provide updates as this project continues. Our show is produced and edited by me, Kayla Woodward, with additional recording by Tom Yoder and Robert Dobry of KSJD Community Radio and Bailey Springmeyer at Mesa Verde National Park. Special thanks to Delove Danipa Cook for research this season and thanks as well to Cindy Cooperrider, Brian Forrest, and Katie Miskevich who helped with research for this episode. To see additional content for this episode, including a link to the Ball State Idea Lab's work from Stonehenge in Rome, visit org. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and don't forget to subscribe to us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, go ahead and leave us a review. It really helps us out.
1: Verity Voices is a production of KHJD Community Radio in Cortez, Colorado. It's produced in partnerships with Mesa Verde National Park and the Mesa Verde Museum Association with additional support from the Valentine Family Fund, Aramark, and concept 360